Welcome to the Ask Brian Podcast Radio Show, where you'll hear from some of the most successful founders and CEOs of businesses and startups, sharing their best advice for success, and even some stories on how their mistakes actually make them even more successful. Now, here are your hosts, Brian and Tracy. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You're listening to the Ask Brian Radio Show on KHS 1220 and 98.1 FM. Well, for our regulars, they know us. But for the non-regulars, every Thursday at 1 to 2 p.m., we have a show called the Ask Brian Show, where we either interview a founder of some new product, something that's coming out so you can be in the know, or we teach you something about business so you can learn something from people that have been very successful. And today, our guest, we're going to go over both. He is not just a founder of an innovative product, but a product that has become successful that will hopefully teach you everything you want to know. But, but before we get to the interview, everybody is constantly asking us why. Why is Ask Brian, A-S-K-B-R-I-E-N? They say, you're not from you know Ireland. Your name is not O'Brien. I'm not. Peter O'Brien or Brian O'Brien, you know, why are you spelling Brian with an E? Most of my friends, Brian, are spelled B-R-I-A-N or B-R-Y-A-N. And so we've come up with a creative analogy of why we have E's in the S, Brian. And I'm going to ask our co-host, Mr. Alex Grossman, if he knows any of those, and the others that he does not know or that I falter him on, I will try to answer those questions. Mr. Alex Grossman. Why is Brian spelled with an E? Well, Mr. Brian Johnson, I think, honestly, it's because of the excitement that you just infuse into this company. You know, the, the level of excellence that you put in every show. And you're an expert. You're just an expert at what you do. And as are our guests. So I think that's the real reason. But I'd have to ask an engineer ah, yes. who might know more than I do. <laughs> I know enough. No clapping? No, no clapping? Well, there you go. Yeah. Oh, come on. Clap for the engineer. Come on. I'm waiting for you to say something so I could clap for it. Oh, you, normally I'm in the studio and I can just give you a wink. That's true. That's true. <laughs> well, you know, Alex, you did start out with one of them, which is excitement. But any business owner knows that to be successful, you have to be passionate, which is not an E. And because of your passion, you are so enthusiastic! Yeah. You gotta be pumped, pumped, pumped. That's why we get rocky every week. Pumped up. Now, there are other reasons why we have an E. And we have determined that in order to be an expert, which Alice did identify, you have to have at least 10,000 hours experience. We've determined that most people that go into business or start a business, they have five years of doing something before they really know what it's all about. And how do we come up with that? Well, if you work 40 hours a week and you work eight hours a day times five days is 40 hours times 50 weeks is 2,000 hours times five years, that's 10,000 hours. We determine that 10,000 hours is really the criteria, not five years. Meaning if you're an entrepreneur, another E, if you're an entrepreneur, you're probably going to get those 10,000 hours in probably two to three years. Because you have to work a lot of hours to run a successful company, no matter how great a product it is. Even if it was Facebook or Microsoft or even Steve Jobs and Apple, 
None of those people working. Okay, we'll work eight hours a day. And okay, time to go home and eat dinner with the kids. No, it doesn't work that way. It really takes a lot of work and a lot of energy. Another energy. But without any further ado, because the guests are like going, why am I here? I can't believe I'm on the show. And I really came here to tell my story. And we want him to tell a story. And his name is Michael. Michael, are you there? G'day. I am here. Uh, Calling in from Melbourne in Australia. Lovely to be here this morning for me. Well, it is. And actually, it's pretty early there, is my understanding, if I'm not mistaken. Was it like six uh, o'clock in the morning? Yes. Yeah, it's just on 8 a.m., but I've got two kids, so it's not that early for me. <laughs> well, you're definitely going to get those hours in on time. I don't think you'll have any time. Any, You will not have to wait in five years to get your 10,000 hours. You probably got that in two years. The 10,000 hours is a really interesting statement um, because a lot of people just assume, you know, overnight success. But, you know, I think my overnight success is probably off the back of about 50,000 hours. Wow. So, and, and that's before, easy to do when you're an early riser. That's another couple of E's there. But it's, it's wow. very true. 10,000 hours. I don't know. Exactly. And, and if you're incompetent, it may take you 10,000 hours to learn that the CC is, is a carbon copy and not, the, you know, something else. But Michael, let's go over your background first. And to do that, though, I just want a quickie background about what you did prior to starting your new company. And then I want to spend the rest of the show on your company. Yeah, sure. I'll uh, try and give you the abridged version. Um, starting back, actually, quick, my, quick. Um, my formal qualification is uh, I actually have a uh, degree in, in theater and drama. Not for acting, though, but for the um, more technical side and creative side of production. Uh, so I used to be a lighting designer and a production manager once upon a time. And that, that it's, it's sort of a funny history and funny qualification. But I guess that um, just led me into, uh, I guess, starting my own business when I was uh, 19 and expanding from there and eventually selling that and moving into the software space or technology space. And I was really doing that, running technology companies for about uh, maybe eight or nine years before really sort of the, the COVID shutdowns of, of the economies hit. And it was at about that time when the um, shutdowns hit and I just sort of looked at what I was doing in software and just went, it's time for a change. Um, it's time for something different. And I think I can just, you know, apply all these things I don't know about consumer goods, but that I do know about software and technology distribution. And I can, you know, very easily apply that to a, a consumer goods company which is, you know, mad to think back on, but I, I think it leads to a, a good part of why we've had success over the last few years. Now, are, are you the sole founder of your company? No, there's actually three of us, and it's also it's a fun story. So myself and, and another two, two guys named Gary and Andre. And uh, Gary is actually, um, I've been technically business with Gary. Actually, to, I'll, I'll release my age. I'll let you know the secrets, but I'm 43 years old, and I think I've been in business with Gary now. We'll be coming up on our 40th. Uh, anniversary. Uh, we used to live uh, wow. about 300 feet from. We used to live about 300 feet from each other and went to school together. And um, we're always sort of running little side hustles uh, down the street, selling car washers or lollies or plants. And so Gary's one of the. I guess I've known him the longest time, uh, longest out of everyone in my life. Well, not everyone, but almost everyone. Certainly from a professional relationship. And Andre, our um, our other partner, is actually really fun story where um, we brought Andre over from Belarus to Australia about um, just on 10 years ago to do some work in one of our 
other businesses and we met him on the internet. We hired him off a job board on the internet, met him, brought him out to Australia to do some work with us and he ended up uh, just recently becoming an Australian citizen, which uh, good for him, and uh, stayed here. And we sort of said after a few years that we'd love to start a business with you one day and then we stumbled upon this one and, and yeah, the rest is history in the making. So I know what the story is, but but people don't know. So what exactly is the product that you came up with and who of the three you came up with it or did you all come up with it together? Yes, great questions. I guess the best way I can explain it is the same way I make sure my kids believe what I do, which is I sell stickers. Sell stickers. We expanded a bit and we sort of like to say that those stickers have superpowers inside them so you can just stick on those superpowers. But uh, the truth is they're, they're functional stickers. They're, they're stickers mostly infused with um, blends of essential oil to for different remedies um, from different ways of, I guess, playfully solving some little problems. And some of those little problems, I guess, our most famous one is, um, is called Buzz Patch. And it is a mosquito repellent or mozzie repellent, as we like to say, down, down under. But we also, we've made products for, for sleep and for um, focus. We've made some for even, you know, detecting too many UV rays getting onto the skin without sunscreen. Uh, we've made some for stuffy nose. And not a large range, but a sort of good range for, for mainly for kids, but we also certainly use them ourselves and have lots of adult customers. What, what was um, the first to your second question. First product was, was our buzz patch. Okay. And that was the mosquito one. And it, it's a bit of a story. And I guess this is, I'll answer also the second part of your, your question, which was, you know, where did we come up with these products? And the, and the truth is, I was standing in my technology business office with Gary one day, and I was explaining to him then that my, my daughter, who's about one, one and a half at the time, was getting bitten by mosquitoes that we just didn't see. And, you know, she was having an allergic reaction to it. And it was just sort of then that that's where really the idea of the business came from. And, and we were just sort of, I guess, in a sense, workshopping it and saying, well, how, you know, what can we do about this? We can go, go and buy traditional sprays and aerosols and creams. But, you know, were there other solutions? And, and over a couple of weeks, we ended up playing with this idea of citronella on a sticker. Um, things got a little bit, you know, more developed since then. But that's really, you know, the origin of the company is, is trying to solve for my own daughters uh, getting bitten by mosquitoes. But, but where did you have that background? I mean, you know, it's like, okay, if you're a medical background or, or you, you did something, you know, for a consumer products company, you can think about that. But, I mean, sure, I mean, you know, everybody wants to get the cure to cancer too, right? I mean, you can't just come up with it after 10 seconds and create it. I mean, that, that's, the part, that's the part that amazes me. Yeah, yeah. And listen, you're right. And so Gary had a bit of a background in essential oils and understanding essential oils. And I guess um, the biggest background I had was in understanding uh, being a parent and wanting to consider, you know, I think people are more aware these days when a doctor prescribes a medication, you want to look into it. When you're being asked to spray things on your skin, you want to look into it. When you're being asked to uh, whatever it might be, an environment where there's toxic fumes, they all become, I guess, as a parent, you're more sensitive. I think we're less sensitive about about ourselves, more sensitive about our kids, especially when they're young. And so it just sort of started that conversation. And Gary and I had been talking about for probably um, 12 months about starting a consumer goods company. And so it, it naturally just progressed into this idea, of, oh, how could you do this? Is mosquito repellent a market that can be disrupted by, you know, through sales, social-based sales? Um, you know, is it something that, that fits some, I guess, key points about making a, 
e-commerce business or a direct-to-consumer business work in terms of you know how it's transported, how it freights, the price point, how it can be marketed. And that's what we played with over a couple of weeks. So it started off as a conversation talking about, you know, my daughter avoiding mosquito bites and ended up into what is certainly now an eight-figure business. So I think a lot of our audience looks at this and they say, well, I have all these great ideas, but turning an idea into reality is, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot of work. I, and let's face it, this is an incredibly innovative idea. Seems a little sci-fi, right, from that perspective. I'm not spending out, you know, just in the mosquito repellent, I'm not spending minutes putting this stuff on all over me. It's all greasy. I put the patch on. Life is good. You just solve this big problem. But what was the thought process in saying, I want to start this business? You know, I don't understand the distribution of it. I don't understand the pieces. Did you just jump in? Did you build a business plan? How did you go about doing it? Yeah, all great questions. So business plan, I'll answer first. No. It's, I think I've relied on gut for really 20 years. I've never really had a job, so I've always been running businesses. And so in 20 years, I think I've learned you know, that I can rely on my gut. Now, it wasn't always that way, but after, I guess, the years and years of experience, you just start to learn to rely on your gut. And, and I think it, we could see it when we started putting together pieces like, ah, stickers, that's fun. Parents would love it too because they know the kids love stickers. Put the citronella on the sticker. The sticker can go on the clothes. That means the repellent's portable. It's like a citronella candle or it's like a mosquito coil. It's that sort of idea, but it's a personal item that travels with you rather than being stuck stuck in one place. And then we just started like, thinking about the economics of it, and we didn't go too deep. And I think the benefit of not having experience in the direct industry of selling mosquito repellent or you know, selling consumer goods really meant that we weren't, didn't have constraints of what we didn't know. Um, so I think had we even known what we know now at that time, we would have been less bullish into launching the company. We, you know, may have been a little bit more careful. But the truth was, as soon as we, you know, we were very good at very quickly standing up a website, setting up a, some social media accounts, um, and starting a marketing push, and we we saw the results immediately. And so for us, it was immediately obvious that this was going to work, and we can double down on it. And I think just you know running technology and software businesses and you know, not raising money meant that we just had this interesting skill set of, and not knowing the consumer goods industry, had this really interesting skill set of knowing how to hustle, knowing how to get things stood up quickly, knowing how to, you know, get it done, make things happen, find manufacturing partners very quickly, find shipping partners very quickly, packing orders ourselves, and not, not having, you know, experience of going, oh, well, you can't do this or you can't do that because that's how the consumer goods industry works. So, and this, you know, the first thing I was saying was, you know, my overnight success or this, this company's overnight success comes off the back of, you know, 10, 15 years of experience and, you know, direct experience or indirect experience, but it came off the back of that. So it, it seems like it was easy and it came easy, but there's no way we could have done that without learning everything we did and didn't know up until that point. That's really exciting. And then your expansion from this, right? You took this and you said, what else does the consumer need? Because some of your, your products here, again, are very innovative. You got a sleepy patch for kids, a sleeping patch for adults, a cognitive patch that helps you channel your cognitive energy. Is not that uh, Mr. Brian Johnson needs that, but I'm, I'm just saying that, right? <laughs> and you have an allergy relief you know, patch. I mean, this is, this is really cool stuff. Yes, uh, I guess this is um, positive or a failure of being in software is um, 
is, you know, you build something first, uh, you see what people use of it, and then you expand from there onwards. So when we started this company, we didn't think beyond hmm, mosquito repellent stickers. And that was very much a, a, an approach of sort of build, test, measure, uh, which was we did that, ah, it's working. Uh, and then we went, ah, oh, it's working really well. Hold on, we now have an audience. We're paid, we've more or less paid for this audience in a way, which is we've you know, had a cost to acquire an audience. What else do you think the audience wants? And right. it was honestly the first, first 18 months of our history was very much trying things and, and doing things and never really believing that this was a real company. So, and, we, we, and I say it in a funny way because we'd already, you know, we'd, we'd achieved, we very quickly achieved seven figures in sales for, for a year and then eight figures in sales for our second year. And so we'd very quickly achieved the sales validation, but we were to ourselves unsure if it was a, a real company. But we, we went, oh, what do we do? We, we make stickers, all right, let's actually make a sticker for those people who actually get bitten as opposed to the people who are using the mosquito repellent. So we came up with an anti-itch sticker, uh, which again, my kids, my kids love actually still to this day. Sometimes we will not go to bed because they'll, they'll think that they have a phantom bite somewhere and be like, oh, I need, a, I need one of the anti-itch stickers. We did that and then we, I guess, sat down a bit more and went, well, what are we actually really good at? And what we realized is we're actually really good at, um, at we've created a, I guess, a material and a delivery method that's really interesting for essential oils that doesn't require a plug-in diffuser or anything like that. We've created, a, I guess, a diffusing, a diffusing sticker. So after the mosquitoes, we launched the anti-itch patch, and then um, we realized that we were very good at, um, I guess, delivering essential oils through non-plugging methods through diffusion. And so we really looked at, you know, what else can we do? And a lot of this really, like, our, almost all our product development really revolves around what are our own kids need, or honestly, also, what do we need as, as adults? Um, and so my business partners or co-founders, they, they both have kids too, and it's sort of we're really fortunate in our makeup as the founders that we have between the three of us that we have kids age range now between about 12, 13 years old down to about one year or down to just over one year old. And so we have this really fortunate um, makeup of our own families being our own customer base that's quite quite broad. And, and that's really our target market is, is really talking to mums that, that have kids who are, you know, between the ages of one and, and one and 12 and one and 13. So, we yeah we expand from there and and I guess we follow everything now with an ethos of we have to playfully be solving just a little problem not a big problem but but just playfully solving something little and I think fundamentally most people uh, when it comes down to it where we sell to anyway live great lives and we're just here to make things a little bit ever, bit better be that you know to get rid of pesky mosquitoes or to help you know the kids wind down a little bit faster but you know we try and say before you try, you know, a drug or a hormone or anything else, like give us a try because a sticker is far less invasive than, than something you have to ingest or inject. Um, wow. What else can I tell you? Yeah. Um, in terms of like how, how we know what we're doing, look, I mean, we don't really. And, and the first 18 months of the business, we were really, you know, as I, as I mentioned, like even though we, we had the financial validations, um, we, you know, the three of us, the founders kept asking ourselves, when if this is a real business? And yeah, it was, it was just on 18 months into the business to where we actually went. Uh, I think I, I can uh, pinpoint the time in history where one of my co-founders sent me a message and said, I think this is validation. I think this is real. Wow. That's actually a pretty amazing story. I have a lot more questions to ask. But in terms of getting successful, you know, anyone can have a great product, right? But unless somebody, unless there's an awareness or, or somehow 
people know about it, it doesn't really matter. You could, I could come up with, you know, a cancer drug tomorrow, right? But if nobody knew about it, it wasn't reported on the news, nobody would know about it. It doesn't really make it, right? So a lot of different pieces that go into a puzzle, not just one thing. Great product, I think. Eventually, the word gets out. What was it for you? Was there something out there that kind of made you made you be caught by the public? Yeah, I'll give you a bit of a, a roundabout answer. But, um, so one, I think, and, and we do this a bit differently. Most consumer goods products, uh, I guess, come up with a great product and then great packaging and then put it on a shelf and hope that it sells. Our model was great product, um, okay packaging, but then market it and advertise it. And then, you know, if it's in a retail, people almost know what they're looking at. But for us, our moment of, uh, I guess, true validation, knowing, knowing that it's like it's real and people want this, was not was not you know the first hundred or two hundred thousand customers. It was really we had someone relatively famous in the in US, probably say maybe the US's or, or the world's most famous uh, influencer, Kim Kardashian. Um, we uh, I happened to be uh, where was I? I was I was at holidaying in Paris of all places with my wife and kids. Um, which is a very different time zone to my business partners in Australia. And uh, the kids had just gone to bed and, and I looked down at my phone. It was just after eight. And, you know, my phone says, oh, you have a message from Kim Kardashian. And I thought, oh, this isn't going to be real. But, you know, sure. And I, I remember distinctly taking a screenshot going, going, oh, this will be a funny thing to show my business partners. But I opened the message and, like, I was sort of a bit starstruck, uh, I guess, is, you know, the honest way of putting it. So it turned out Kim Kardashian had somewhere bought our product. I, I still to this day couldn't tell you where she bought our product, but it was in a retail store, it was from our own website or from Amazon because we, we had the presence in all and uh, had bought our product and just decided to make a, a video on Instagram about it and post about it. And we talk about this as our moment of validation because, you know, we look at this and go, this is someone who she's a billionaire. She charges, you know, upwards of a million dollars for a post that she did like ours, yet she's also just a real person. She's a real person with kids. And it was obvious that what had happened is she somewhere saw our product or came across our product. She's gone out and purchased it. She didn't ask for anything free, didn't ask for any you know, quid pro quo. Um, she's gone out and purchased it. She's used it. It's worked. And she's been so happy with that experience that she's chosen to post about it and Give some, you know, little company from Australia that she has no idea about, like this shout out. And so for us, it was like, oh, if we, if you know, people like this, and most people look at and go, oh, you're just a celebrity, or you're, you know, you're this or you're that. Like if you look at this and go, you know, she's just another person. She's just like the rest of our customers who we hear this from all the time. Like you know, it's like OMG, I, I came across your product and I love it, and my kids allergic to mosquitoes. This is like this is the same story that we hear from so many people, and it's such a common story. But to hear it from someone with you know 350 million followers on Instagram, and that she bought it, and that she posted about it, it was just like ah, oh, you know, this is the validation point. And it was that point where you know I was wildly texting my business partners back in Australia, who were wildly texting back, and that's when Andre just said, you know, I, th- I think this is the validation point. I think we know that if a billionaire is going out and buying our product. Someone who could very easily have her reps reach out and ask for freebies, actually going out and buying our product because she has a problem in this space and it solved the problem, then we know that this is real, right? We know this is real, the company's real. And it was that point onwards that we, I guess, had the confidence to really you know, keep growing from there. And that was, um, yeah, that was about 12 months ago, 18 months ago. Wow, wow. And so, Alex, you had some questions you wanted to ask Michael. 
Yeah, thanks, Brian. Yeah, Michael, I love what you're saying and how, how the business got started. I think the products are innovative and you know you had an idea. But let, let's just go back through a second for our audience. Of, when you first got started, was this something you guys just jumped in, quit your jobs and said, we're going to do this? Or was this a little bit of a side hustle to figure it out? You know, you said you got started pretty quickly, but you know, it takes time to find people to manufacture things and, and to get things going. So did you all just jump in, take a part of it and do it? Or did, were you still working while you were doing this? Great question. So certainly we didn't quit our jobs because we didn't have jobs in the sense of, or we didn't have an employer that wasn't ourselves. We were running our own technology companies. It was just, I guess, stacking work on top of that. But we treated it very much like we've treated other businesses, which is, you know, you build, you test, you try selling, is there success? Great, there's success. Then you've got to rate even harder and faster to make sure you can, you know, fulfill on what the customer's expectations were. We live in a digital world and, and I guess our approach was, was like we can recruit from our digital world and not have to stand up an office, stand up a, a manufacturing plant or a warehouse or a distribution center there and then. We really, so and still today, we, we do this. We operate very much as a global and distributed team. You know, we, we have no formal office. We don't have, I don't think there's really anywhere uh, amongst our team and our broader team that people are really working in an office together. And we're just good at using, using the internet to find people, using the internet to solve problems, jumping on the phone when we need to be, and these days jumping on a plane when we, when we need to. And so we just sort of did it and stacked up pretty quickly. Uh, and it wasn't until probably that Kim Kardashian moment that we went, let's remove all other distractions, let's sell out of all other businesses, let's free ourselves from, from everything else on our plate so we can focus really 100% on this. But yeah, that, that's sort of how it is. Now, I make it sound really easy and, and there's a point of privilege here, which is we had, we had this, I guess, backing of, we already had teams in place so we could you know, we could recruit internally from, you know, be it customer support or, you know, the fact is that I had a computer already that I could jump on a Zoom meeting. All these things, I guess, were there because we were already running business. And so we had that, that I guess, bit of a step up that it wasn't, a, you know, the, the very basic building blocks um, of starting a company were on hand to us. Um, we weren't running a studio and looking for something to launch, but necessarily or something to do or, or we hadn't, you know, we didn't have all this resource ready to deploy, but we had resources we were able to recruit and pull into this business and make sure we got it up and running and had the best customer experience we could possibly produce. Yeah, I think that's great. It, it sounds like, you know, you, you guys did it in a smart way, leveraging what you already had to get it going. I think that's something that, you know, our audience cares about, the idea of a virtual business or an e-commerce business or getting going without an incredible amount of, of money being paid up front. I, I mean, that's one of the, one of the things that scare a lot of people because they, you know, they, they go into their business and, you know, now I gotta, I gotta go rent a, a space. It's very expensive. I gotta have, if it's hardware, I gotta have inventory. If it's software, well, you know, maybe I don't need to, maybe that's why a lot of people move to that model. And it sounds like you guys came out of that, that software space where everything's virtual. But if you had to give someone three suggestions on getting started in their own business and just moving it along, maybe the mistakes you made, what would you tell them not to do? It's a great question. And there is this sort of point that I want to jump into. And I can tell you what not to do by telling you what you know, I've learned over the years that makes running an e-commerce business or, or starting off as an e-commerce business amazing. 
And so over my my career of running businesses, I've learned a lot of lessons. Like I haven't done a formal MBA, but I've done my MBA by running businesses. And, you know, I think um, there are some really important points. One, you have to really enjoy your style of work. And whilst not 100% of every, you know, moment or hour can be, you know, joyful, um, I think fundamentally stick to to rules. And rules are, for example, uh, around lifestyle. So rules are that I need to be available free and not be a stress to go to a school assembly or to do school pickup or to have a family holiday whatever that might be. So so for us, it's almost like we run this business and we make decisions about growth, hiring and direction based on how is it going to change our lifestyle um, or how do we maintain our lifestyle? How do we do it the way we want to do it, not the way you know someone else wants to force us run our hours? So that, that part's really important. The e-commerce part is this idea that one, you can start a business from anywhere, literally anywhere. And it's got an internet connection, which you know more or less, you know, now you can do down to if you know the satellite internet and this beauty. So the thing I learned early on in my career is about finances and cash flows is um, when you run a professional services business, uh, you, you essentially have to hire someone to go and collect payments from your customers who you put on on account. And so you might deliver a service and that customer might be on 30-day terms, so they're not going to pay for that service until 30 days after. And then you might have to actually employ someone to call them and ask them to pay their bill on time. Uh, or late or whatever it may be. And so this is one of the lessons I learned. My earliest career was, was professional services. And so one of the things now that is an absolute must for me is, is that a majority of our income has to be paid up front. So we have to get the customer to pay us um, whoever that customer might be before we deliver any services. And so this beautiful thing about e-commerce, and there is some nuance to this, I'm going to make it very simple, but the beautiful thing about e-commerce is you list a product on your website you sell that product, the customer pays you, and you don't have to arrange the delivery of that product till after they've paid you. The cash flow model is really good. Now, there is points where obviously you need to hold inventory. And certainly at the scale we're at these days, we, we are ordering millions and millions of dollars. Just to, to wrap that up, the cash flow of starting an e-commerce business is fantastic. Customers pay you up front, um, and for a large part, most of your expenses come well and truly after the customer has paid you. And so that's why, and you can stand that up from anywhere. That's why it's, it's easy to start an e-commerce business. Now, there are a whole lot of fundamentals that come into uh, what I believe makes a successful direct-to-consumer and e-commerce business. And, and you have to you know, research those and understand those. And I could talk for hours on it, so I won't go into it. But the point is that, that e-commerce is unique in that way that you can start something. And if it works, you can keep going from there and generally build up strong cash flows along the way as long as you're... I guess, um, careful about how fast your growth is. And then at some point, you do have to graduate. Um, you do have to start placing big orders, but you can also get different credit terms. And for us, our belief is also that, that to be a successful consumer product's good, you have to graduate from just being available on your own you know, website to being available on you know, other websites and certainly in stores. And I guess we have a, a belief fundamentally at some point that our products have to be available everywhere the customer wants to buy them. And that's what you know we're working towards with with retailers and, and onboarding more and more retailers that are selling our products. But for now, cash flow is super important. We haven't raised any external money, and I don't think you have to as long as you're careful with the product you're selling and, and how you're selling it. Okay, we only have a couple of minutes left, so two things. One of which is, uh, A, how can people buy the product? And B, do you have any coupons that you're offering? 
Yeah, so um, how can people buy it? So we, fortunately, uh, in the US, we're available in about 6,000 doors. And so not all of our products are available in all stores, um, but we just had Target come on board, which is super exciting for our mosquito repellent products. So I think they're on target.com or actually in Target stores. We, we, it's sort of amazing for us that they ranged us in, in 1,600 stores. Uh, you know, everyone's sort of surprised. Um, we just didn't know how, how significant that was for us. Um, but we certainly, we're on Amazon. But, you know, we, we certainly love it if people go directly to our website, um, natpat.com. Now, you asked for a discount. Uh, let me just quickly type something in. I uh, just going to click a few buttons. All right. So I will create a discount for your listeners. If you go to our website, natpat.com, N-A-T-P-A-T.com, in the checkout, I've created a discount code for 15% off. The code you use is just K-H-T-S. But I am going to, we have people calling looking for discount codes all the time. So I'm going to limit that to just what we're doing, 48 hours. Um, so jump on if you're listening, listening now, don't do it whilst driving. But jump on, order from our website and you can get a 15% discount coupon. And, you know, really just thank you for listening. Thank you for, for hearing our story. Thank you very much. And the only other thing we want to mention is this will be available on a podcast on Spotify, Amazon, everywhere that you can listen to a podcast. It will be available in about two weeks. So if you listen to it at that time, you can listen to all the information. And we just wanted to thank you very much, Michael, for being on the show. Unfortunately, we do have a time limit, but we appreciated everything. We probably want to have you back on again because there's so much more information that we did want to ask and our listeners wanted to know. And so we're going to have to do that probably on a second show if you're available. We definitely appreciated it. And we realized how early it was in in Australia on Friday uh, when our show is done on a Thursday. Thank you very much. Over and out, Alex, Michael, thank you. And of course, Jen. Thank you for tuning in to the Ask Brian radio show. You can listen to us every Thursday on KTHS AM 1220 and FM 98.1 or via Facebook Live or anytime wherever you listen to your podcasts. Visit askbrian.com to join the conversation and ask us your business questions and we'll answer them on our next episode. That's askbrien.com.